Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Living free. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Hi, I'm Anne, and with co-host Bill, I would like to pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. Each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drug, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery stories and highlight that shared experience saves lives. We've had serious uh, technical problems today um, with the phone lines and things. So we, Bill and I are now going to improvise. We're both um, long-time members of Al-Anon and we both we met each other in uh, the 1980s at an Al-Anon meeting when uh, we were both in our 20s and now I'm afraid we're both in our 60s. So uh, we're going to see what we have, what we can say about this, and cast some, shed some light on alcoholism for you as it affects uh, people who are um, not drinkers themselves, but grew up in a family um, where there is drinking. So I'm just going to be the interviewer, interviewer today, and I'm just going to chat to Bill about what he's learned over his 40 years in Al-Anon. So this could be a bit of a treat for everyone. Bill's the the normal <laughs> announcer for uh, for this show. Um, Okay, so Bill, um, tell me, well, I'm going to just start off straight away with uh, what the thing that's common to all the 12-step programs, and that is the idea of powerlessness um, and how that relates to uh, you as a, a member of a family with an addict in it rather than as someone with the addiction to the substance. Uh, yeah, thanks, Anne. Um, yeah, it's really it's interesting to be on this side of the, uh, of the microphone. Of the panel, uh, <laughs> it's not something I, re- I do regularly, but yeah, um, I guess powerlessness. Um, people often sort of wonder why the families of a- alcoholics and you know addicts need need help, and I guess um, growing up with an alcoholic father, um, I didn't really understand the mechanism uh, that that worked in the inside the family in an in an alcoholic or a dysfunctional environment. But it's it's very controlling, and um, you you don't really appreciate that until you go to a family where that doesn't exist. And so, as a child, um, I'd often go to prefer to go to other people's places than than be at home. And um, it was really only coming to Alanon that I learned that the control within the family was the thing that confuses the child, because the child can't can't express their feelings, uh, or if they do, often they're used against them. They're, you know, they're they're seen as weak or unable to cope, and um, that really, I guess, engenders this, I guess, is a dichotomy that that what they can do inside the family they can't do outside the family. It's not acceptable, and so there's a lot of name calling. There's a lot of manipulation. There's a lot of uh, abuse, mainly. Um, emotional abuse inside the family and this sort of the only way around it with a child is really control 
and that's and, and they see their other parent, the non-alcoholic parent, using control as a manipulation process, and so they adopt this control. And growing up, trying to control things to make yourself happy, or to be, or to feel comfortable, means that um, you, you develop this really unusual behaviour that doesn't fit in with general society. And so, learning that you can't really control other people, which is what what you do when you come into a 12-step, particularly Al-Anon family groups, is I guess an appreciation of the fact that that what you were doing for all that time was just futile and that didn't have any impact, although you always expected if if it would work, it would solve your problems. Oh, Bill, that's great. Can, can I get you right down to tin tacks then and can you give us one example of a way that you as a young, ch- as a child or just as someone living at home still uh, exercise control futile, in a futile way? Uh, well, I guess the big one <clears throat> or the probably the most common one um, is really around people pleasing and people pleasing is just trying to manipulate someone else's opinion of you such that you slip under the radar so that you're not you're not visible and that is the visibility is about not being a target um, and I and the other I guess the extreme form of um, of that is um, trying to predict what the other person wants, and so you, you you try to to not cause a problem, and so you're trying to behave in a way that is suitable to them that won't that that'll mean you're not noticed, and so you're not actually trying to please them. You're trying to not displease them, which is sort of a double negative, mm. and that means that. You're very anxious. Mm. Yeah. Yep, that's interesting, um, and I totally relate to that. Now, I'm, I'm just wondering about this other, the other thing about that's ca- that's common to the 12-step programs is admitting that your life's unmanageable. Now, as a child, we're, we're not really in a position to be managing our life at all. But so, what about as a young adult? Um, was your life unmanageable in any way after coming through that system? <laughs> <laughs> Strange use the word in any way. It was nearly in every way. Um, it was controllable. You know, I could control my life up to a point, but what I couldn't do is I couldn't participate. I, I couldn't make a phone call. Um, I couldn't ask for help. Um, I couldn't admit I was wrong. Uh, there's all these things that I couldn't do as a as a functioning adult that really brought me in conflict with other people. And that's really what Alan's about, is trying to reduce the conflict or the potential conflict in life. And, and to actually start living instead of avoiding life. Yep. Okay, now to, now to get to another really nitty-gritty part of these 12 steps, and that's um, this uh, this business of if you're not if you're going to let go of all those behaviour and all those behaviours, um, the 12 steps suggest us a spiritual approach to that. Can you talk a little bit about um, how that worked for you, or how it does work for you now? Uh, well, I guess initially I was against that because I'd, I guess I'd always railed against external control and if you exercise control yourself you sort of rail against any outside control and so it was really I guess when I came in I, I couldn't I didn't want to go with the traditional concept of a god um, and so I sort of went with the the I guess the Roman concept of Roman gods or multiple gods or things out there that could help and as I went through 
Al-Anon and learned a bit more, I realised that it didn't have to be a, a concept that other people could um, understand or believe or support. It really just had to be something that enabled me to get on with my life and to feel more comfortable. And I guess what I came back to was that if if I'm not in control, if I'm not God, then then God is everything else, everything that's not me. And so that was a really easy easy concept to uh, grasp. And it's sort of it's it's a bit of an Eastern philosophy, and that is that things are in motion, and really I'm not I can't control them. And me trying to control certain parts of life were futile, which goes back to that powerlessness. Yep. Mm. Okay. Uh, uh, an example of that is some some people say um, they're going to ask God to find them a car park, and um, uh, that sounds a bit silly. But um, what you're saying about things in motion, what I do if I'm in a car park is I, th- I know that there's either a car park there for me or there's a, not a car park there for me, and I don't tense up looking for one I just keep going until I find one so it's about not tensing up because so much of what we're doing in life isn't up to us because it's all already set in motion um all right getting down to the um the the name of the show is living free um can you describe is it has it been a matter of becoming free for you by by going through this um program um yeah I, I guess so the major thing that I realised coming to Alamon was that I had great disrespect for my father, and 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 that disrespect came about because I felt his drinking, I, I felt his he was drinking intentionally to harm the family, and that was really so I loved the person but hated what he was doing, and this is part of this conflict in the family is that you love them but you hate what they do. And so being able to separate the alcoholic from the effects of alcohol was really a, a primary thing in my recovery. And, and that was about treating the alcoholic um, in a way that respectfully and to acknowledge that they had, they had an illness and their illness caused them to believe that consuming alcohol would make their life better when actually it made it worse. And so it's, it could be seen as a mental illness and a lot of it is rooted in anxiety and depression and alcohol certainly makes those things worse. Um, and my father was also on prescription drugs for a while, which, which made his drinking a lot, lot worse. But I guess learning that he had a right to be an alcoholic, even if I didn't like it, um, at the same way that somebody who has cancer or diabetes has the right to have that condition without having to please me as an individual. They don't have to do anything differently. And so just accepting that my dad was an alcoholic and that if he needed to drink, then that was his problem. And I could separate, I could detach from the person and and the drinking and the effects of the drinking, which meant that my life got a lot better. And I went on to have a really good relationship with my dad um, until he died uh, some years ago and it was only there because I wasn't trying to control or manipulate his behaviour to try and stop him drinking. He never stopped. He drank till he died. 
Thanks, Bill. Um, we're going to go to a break now. Uh, this is a song called The Sweet Life by Catherine Tracos. I want to love her, but I don't want the trouble. want a cigarette, but don't want the cancer. I want to be a good girl by being naughty. Benefits of working hard by only being lazy. I want a party, but I don't want a tidy. I don't want to have a job, I just want the money. I want to be a pirate and go sail across the seas on ship of such proportions you would terrorize your dream. Nobody knows how the world will turn, whether you're gonna fall in love or gonna be burned. No one can help you but a good piece of advice says Do what you want Don't smoke too much Just one man Wanna be surprised by sticking to a precise plan I wanna win but I don't ever wanna fight I want a sweet life No one can say Enjoy the splendour of Rippon Lee Estates Gardens at the Botanica Festival. Featuring an open-air market and huge plant sale, it will be a day of entertainment with plenty to do. Join a garden tour or explore stalls selling gardening books, plants and locally made items. There will be food vans and performances throughout the day. This event is generously made possible by the City of Glenira. Botanica will be held on the 29th of May between 10am and 3pm at the Rippon Lee Estate, Elstonwick. Further information can be found on the Rippon Lee website, rippinlee.com.au. The National Trust of Australia is a 3CR supporter. A proud black man, proud black man, you should not wonder. Strong spirit, First Nations issues. Families, people and stories from a First Nations perspective. Mondays at 1pm on 3CR. 
prayer black man Prayer black man you should not wonder Welcome back to the Living 3 show on 3CR, uh, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you would like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. Um, We were supposed to be talking today about compulsing compulsive gambling but instead uh, we are uh, riffing really on um, Al-Anon with our host Bill um, and he's um, uh, being interviewed by me about his experience in Al-Anon. So Bill um, working the program which uh, it it involves looking at ourselves and taking our eyes off the um, person who had the substance abuse problem in the family um, how have you put your eyes back on yourself? Uh, well, I guess it's really what's called step four, and that is looking at our own behaviour. Um, and so instead of, you know, I guess we come into Al-Anon trying to fix the alcoholic and realise that the alcoholic has their own problems and they're the only ones who can really fix them. And so my problem in, then is coping with my life and the trauma and the, I guess, the disaster that I, I cause in my life. And most of the damage done to me was done by me in real terms um, because it was my reaction. I would always react to the alcoholic's behaviour. And in that reaction, I felt I had to fix or fix up or stop or do something um that the alcoholic to stop the alcoholic doing something or to compensate for what the alcoholic hadn't done and so that generated a whole lot of behaviors um, in me and in in step four we sort of look at um, what we call shortcomings um, character shortcomings and it's basically you know selfish self-seeking dishonest frightened and inconsiderate of others and those things bring us in conflict with other people and so as a child I was quite um, dishonest um, I was certainly self-seeking and selfish I'd, I'd take things that weren't mine um, and certainly frightened I was very frightened of, of my father uh, as a small child and that uh, I guess it, it turned into contempt as I grew up but it's looking I guess looking back on my life in in that sort of analysis of what were the things that I did that caused or made the situations I was in worse and looking at my behaviour in that way to say, well, what what was my part in that dispute? What was my part in that um, in, in having an expectation of, of my father that he couldn't fulfil? Um, and it's really looking at those, those resentments and fears and the harm done to others that allowed me to realise that my father has his own problems and I've got my problems and I need to deal with mine because I'm the one who's got to live with me. Yeah. And your father was a little child too, so... Yeah, we're yeah, all... my ch- yeah, my father's father was an alcoholic as well. So, yeah. you know, he was, he was growing up, or he'd grown up without the benefit of a program like Al-Anon. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what role has 
or have relationships with other, other people in Al-Anon and, and attending meetings? What role has that had in your recovery? Um, pretty profound, really, I think. Um, before I came to Al-Anon, I really didn't... I had, you know, a handful of friends, really, and I wouldn't call them close. They were people I'd known for a while, um, but I was never really close to them because... <sighs> Growing up in an alcoholic home, you couldn't get really close to people because you couldn't tell them what was going on. And so you, you had to keep part of your life separate. And so there's large tracts of my life that my friends never never knew about or, you know, or cared about. Um, and so I guess um, coming to Alan, I found people who were prepared to accept me for who I was. And that was a you know confused young person, uh, but who was willing to you know to go to lengths to try and help myself, and they were able to help me understand that you know my behaviour was the critical thing, and that my life could improve if my behaviour improved, and my behaviour was up to me to realise what was appropriate and what wasn't. Um, yeah. Hmm. And um, so you've been in Al-Anon for much of your adult life, which involves um, all of your working life, your marriage and your life as a parent um, and as a son and, and a sibling. Um, how has the Al-Anon program helped you with all of those things? Well, I guess you know, it certainly helped my marriage. I was fortunate to meet my wife, Sue, shortly after I got into Al-Anon. And really it was... The, the influence of Alan on my life that helped to, I guess, settle me down enough that I could get close to, to somebody else. Um, having a family was really good. Um, you know, growing up, you know, watching children develop and understanding that, you know, that they're, each one is unique um, and, you know, trying to let them grow up and not being too fearful that they become alcoholics which is is a real fear for many children of alcoholics. And I guess uh, work relationships, I was still still pretty controlling in a work relationship issue uh, or sense and really you know, coming to understand that I was just a, a very strong, strong-willed person. I like to have my way, you could say, and you know, understanding that that brought me into conflict with a lot of people and I had to, you know, had to work hard to try and you know, moderate that. But I guess the thing in Alanon is I've got a lot of really good friends in Alanon because they're people who don't, who don't worry about where I've been or what I've done. It's what I'm trying to do today. And we talk about where we've been, what we've done, and what we are like, and how we got there. But we don't concentrate on it. We concentrate on, you know life today and living and, and living uh, I guess a more comfortable life as in free from anxiety than we did growing up yeah mm. and I think also in an Al-Anon meeting um, there's the luxury of sitting amongst people who accept that everyone in that meeting is human and that we don't have to hide we're there precisely to deal with some of the problems that are causing us that we have in the workplace or in our marriages or whatever. So um, we don't have to hide those things. That's, that's the place where those things can be talked about. 
Sure, well, I forgot what my next question was going to be there. So what I will just say is this is a living free show on 3CR digital radio, live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And we're talking to Bill today, the host of this show, about um, growing up with a problem drinker and his recovery through um, Al-Anon. Bill, what would you say to someone listening out there that that in the mo- at the moments in that despair of uh, having an alcoholic in the house and dealing with some of the um, what you, the fallout from that, which which uh, seems to build up progressively in that situation? Well, I guess the the big thing for me was really first of all being able to talk about it, being able to talk to somebody else about things that you couldn't talk to anybody about is really crucial and that's I guess that's what living free sort of stands for and that's shared stories saves lives and really trying to help people to understand that going to a recovery program is about benefiting your life in future it's not about anybody else's life I came to Al-Anon trying to get my dad sober and realized that that was a, a futile exercise and but I, I stayed because I realized that my life needed or I needed a lot of help to get my life back on track. And I guess the thing about the meetings is that you often hear stories that are much worse than yours and people are surviving and thriving. Um, and it makes you realize that, you know, really everybody has a, has a vastly different experience of alcoholism, but there's a whole lot of similarities and it's the similarities in the way we feel. So each each alcoholic's different, but each family member is different. And a lot of family members don't believe they need help. They don't believe they are affected by alcohol, alcoholism, um, or the family disease of alcoholism. And so it's it's really that thing of understanding that each person has their own uh, limit. And when you hit that limit, you need to seek help. And I think that's that was you know I. I certainly had hit that limit in my early 20s when I came to Al-Anon. I just couldn't cope with my dad's drinking or his behaviour and felt that I couldn't make a difference anymore. I couldn't, I didn't have the answers. And coming to a group where people, you know, said all you have to do is just not try to control the alcoholic and things will get better. And it worked. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now, with uh, a lot of the issues that we confront uh, coming out of an alcoholic situation, many of them are, you know, there is depression, anxiety, and, and other mental um, challenges. So, um, does Alanon have any opinion on um, medication, psychiatry, counselling, or, or any of the other um, social supports that we have in place in our society for these things? Uh, well, I guess Al-Anon, like most 12-step programs, don't have an opinion on any outside issues. So their focus is to help, in Al-Anon, to help the families of alcoholics um, to cope with a situation that is beyond their control. And the same thing really for Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous um, and Smart Recovery Australia, all of those organisations, uh, Gamblers Anonymous, you know, help help the individuals realize that it's up to them if they want to get help and if they want to get help then help is available 
and um, and so really it's we're not worried about you know whether there's too many pubs or too many clubs or whatever we're worried about the problem inside not the problem outside because we can't control the problem outside we can influence it but we can't control it and the reason why we're coming to 12 step is we used to try and control the outside uh, by doing you know, either by drinking or gambling or eating or controlling and we now know that doesn't work so we're trying the alternate path mm-hmm. yeah okay look thank you very much bill um that brings us to the end of the show um if you would like to find more about Alanon, uh, you can call them in uh, Victoria, the Victorian Southern Area office. I don't have their number right here, or go online at Alanon um, Family Groups Australia for more information on recovery from the effects of someone else's drinking. So that's all we've got time for. I'd like to thank Bill for sharing his recovery story with us and talking to us about how Alanon has helped him. Thank you, Anne. Pleasure. Thanks, Bill. Um, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week. Um, Bill, can you tell us who we might be featuring next week? It might be Renee again? Uh, No, next week uh, we'll feature Ben, who's a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, cool. Um, And we'll get back to Renee. Uh, Those of you who are looking forward to listening to a story about gambling today, we will get back to Renee um, shortly in in the coming weeks. Coming up next, we have Balanoir, The Spirit of War hosted by Uncle Talgium Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco in the spirit of war on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. FreeCR's annual Radiothon fundraiser launches in June. We need your financial support to be independent, community-controlled and focus on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon keeps the station strong and enables us to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon, show your support during June 2022. 3CR, keep community strong. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.